This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. On this episode of Bucket Talk, we're here with Brian Martin. Brian Martin comes right out of the oil fields, and he's going to teach us all about his day in the life as a roughneck. Brian, welcome. Hey, man. Thank y'all for having me, man. I've been uh, been rocking these these uh, tall boys here, uh, you know, for a little while now. <laughs> They're comfortable. I love them, dude. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, I appreciate it. Um, reason I had you on today, I mean, obviously, you're you're – your music is phenomenal. You've you've managed to make a stake for yourself out in the country music world, and and congrats on that. But a lot of people don't know about your story. You got blue collar roots. Um, you are uh, oil oil rig, oil field by trade, and um, I haven't had an opportunity to to uh, interview somebody from the oil field. So I'd yes, love sir. to learn more <laughs> about you. Um, so let's go as far back as you can remember, and how you got into it, and and right. some of the trials and tribulations you went through. Man, when I first, when I first, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I was, I was out there, uh, working in hay fields and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been working my whole life, my whole life since I was you know, 12, 13 years old. And before that, yep. working with daddy out in the yard, hanging motors up in trees. And, uh, you know, I just think that that was one of those deals where I didn't have a choice to work, but, in 10th grade, I realized they were going to let me play football no more because I was too old. I done fell out. The time I tried to homeschool and, you know, work around the house, uh, I failed. So when I wasn't going to play football, I just went ahead and on my 18th birthday, and I, I was on an orientation for a drilling rig company called Patterson. And, um, you know, Patterson, when he was out there, my uncle told me, he said, you got to tell me you got six months experience, they ain't going to hire you. He said, that, you know, he's a driller on the other side. And I said, I'll tell him I got six months experience, but I ain't never seen a rig. I don't know nothing about it. And he goes, well, it's easy. You just don't go put a key, key in a bee door and you, you get up there and you work your ass off like you do everywhere else. I said, all right. So I went to my orientation. I got there, and sure enough, uh, I was one of, the only, you know, one of the only ones up there that on the rig, on the rig floor that had six months experience. <laughs> and they found out real quick that I didn't have six months experience. And I was like, oh, they don't hire nobody with less, you know, with less six months experience. Here I am. So I learned how to throw a chain pretty quick whenever I got called out on that. And uh, so I, I started out learning how to throw, throw a spinning chain on on uh, Patterson Rig 94. Uh, shout out to them boys if they still out there uh, grinding it out. Old Rutherford, my, my buddy uh, Charles Rutherford, the one I did electrical work with forever. His his uh, brother Roger Rutherford is who I broke out in the oil field with. And... Uh, you know, he's my tool pusher, and he called me out quick, man. He said, you ain't no roughneck. He said, but you're going to be. And so that's where I started was learning the hard way uh, not to not to say you don't know something if you don't because that'll, that'll get you killed out there, man. And, uh, you know, but them boys took me in. They taught me right, and we grinded it out. Uh, we became brothers over the years. Everything that I've been through, you know, I've been with a lot of different companies, a lot of different rigs, but. You know, uh, Patterson was who I broke out with. We went on, I moved on to work with Grey Wolf. I did the whole kid chasing a quarter thing. And then I decided after I'd been working in the oil for about a year that I was going to go to the Army myself and uh, get away from some of the drugs that was, was going on still back in, in the old school, you know. And I yep. said, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to get in the Army. And I'm going to get myself clean, which is not a good rehab center, uh, you know, to go over there, you know, take one right before you get on the plane, you know, <laughs> to get over there to boot camp for Fort Benning, Georgia. It's not a good place to start. But I learned I learned real quick that I wasn't broken yet, and I wasn't as tough as I thought I was, you know. And uh, so when I got over there, you know, a lot of things were, were breaking me, man. I'd, I'd been addicted for a little while to just about anything, you know, just trying to you know, overcome the circumstances around my family and not my dad and my mom, but I was always trying to put myself as a buffer zone between 
everybody else. You know, I had, I've lost my uncle uh, to addiction and everything. And uh, so I was out there and I learned quick that, you know, you can't, you can't come faking nothing you ain't. And the recruiters ain't always going to put everything down. And then they're going to want you to leave and come back in six months and restart. And you're, you're almost done with all this stuff and you're getting everything done. And the best thing to do is just say, okay, I'll be back in six months. The worst thing to do is to go, I ain't going no down. <laughs> and, and, and to fight authority because I learned quick that that only makes it rough. And uh, it did, man. It made it rough on me. Uh, I didn't want to go home. There's a reason why I was there. I wanted to do something good in my life. I knew I didn't, I knew I didn't have a real purpose back home. I didn't think, you know, well, after some things I can't, you know, describe, you know, has been going on in my mind and, and, and in the process of, of, of becoming a man, uh, I went home and, uh, after one failed suicide attempt, uh, after coming home, I wrote my first song and then I went to work on a rig again. And I worked there for 15 years, uh, back back on those rigs, and from there I went from neighbors to, uh, I think the longest I was with anybody was was H and P, and I was with them for on and off eight years. And uh, we went to different. I worked on probably seven or eight different rigs with those guys, and just my family. I Man, I call H and P my family, but every person I've ever crossed in the oil field is my family. And uh, just and that's what I was gonna. Yeah, and, and that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it, it felt like obviously you were going through a lot of stuff and 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 some a real rough point in your life. But what what kind of stuck out to me was you said you quickly said I'm, I went back to the oil fields. And, yeah, and, you know, for, for me, um, you know, being in the shop or or being on a ship or whatever, there was the camaraderie. <laughs> there was that camaraderie. Support. There, there was a brothers that are going through the same shit as you're you're going through and and it was home you know what i mean it was home and uh it was it was good to hear you say that and thank you you know did you was it hard going back and and being part of that shit again or or did you just no overcome (laughs) it separate it actually it was the easiest transition i've ever made in my life (laughs) yeah but it, I mean, it's still hard work, man. But I ain't gonna lie to you. Like yeah. mentally, I was like, oh, I swung a hammer. I hit a yeah. hammer union. Uh, I, I, I run a hose. I hook up a line. Yeah. I check. I listen to a motor. I check the oil. I, okay, this is easy. <laughs> you know, it's a lot easier than you know that mental that mental uh, warfare I was going through. You know, so. Uh, but you know, I think that's the thing was is. My mental warfare has always been, I've never, I've never been ran off. I've never been, you know, to where I want to quit a job just to quit a job. Uh, and I never want to quit anything I start. So the whole mentality of, well, I'm, you can come back in six months. We just got to get you got saved, signed this waiver because there was something left out in your paperwork. And we're going to take a month mm-hmm. of your pay, pay away, though, because you... You know, it was left out in your paperwork for childhood asthma, you know. You go ahead and get it out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, shit, that's been gone, man. I said, we good. I said, I'll wait here six months. And when the paper comes back up, I'll be right here for you to sign. That didn't work like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I didn't want to go home is all I wanted to do. And I didn't want to. And if I was going to lose my ranking, I would rather just been there and just kept on going, you know. But uh, yeah, it was something about the fact that I just didn't want to go home. And and that's the way it's been ever since. Like when I get a job, when I get to a certain level on anywhere, I didn't want to uh, the oil field to fall out because that's the one thing we know about the oil field. The oil field goes up, the oil field goes down, and it's a beckon it's a beckon order, man. And I said many times you go you get it work hard to get to a position, and if somebody above you just got a position, they got to take the same step back that you do. You just don't understand it sometimes. And when 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 they're moving things around, they're trying to make it work to keep a rig going. It's hard because you feel like you're never gonna get to the, the spots you want to. Uh, and then sometimes you just get discouraged and you say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna move over here and chase another dollar on another company," you know, because at least they let me like, come on come on as the you know what I've been training to be. And it it hurts, man, because you leave family every time you go trying to do that. And I've learned so much by working and building that 
brotherhood with people to know that we're all out here. We're all going to gripe. We're all going to complain sometimes, and but we're here together. And if we're if we're going through this together, we're not alone. And I think that that's mm-hmm. something that people don't realize that is rare to have a field where like this right here. A lot of people can't relate to you when you go talking to them about you know music. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh yeah, so hard, man. Tough on you, ain't it? It's killing you, ain't it? And then you go, no, you go, no, it ain't killing me, man. But you know, it is lonely. But when you out there on the rig, you writing songs with your brothers about you sitting on the back of a tailgate after work, yeah. looking at that rig turn and going, well, I was hoping, hope that relief actually works tonight, because uh, that, you know what I mean? Sitting <laughs> back here cracking open a coal and talking about relief, talking about and then pointing out, look at him, he's just moping over eating a sandwich by the damn horse head. <laughs> so when you got on the oil rig early on you said you said you said you had six months experience but you didn't yeah um i got six months and eight hours they made sure they <laughs> <laughs> what was your first job so now now i've seen i've seen and i've heard you know i got family out in odessa and and uh that area but it was kind of funny because the real immersion I got with oil fields came from that show, Black Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my only experience with with anything in the drill, uh, oh, drill yeah. rigs or anything like that. So it's kind of funny because it's like, is it true? Are you out there whipping chain? Are you out there tripping pipe? Like, what's your first job out there? How do you what's the hierarchy? How do you I mean, are they 16 hour days? Like, is it what it is? It's exactly what it is, man. That, and you know the thing about that that TV show is, uh, I worked out. I was working in East Texas and Haynesville Shell when I first started out in uh, in Louisiana sometime. And uh, and when I went to West Texas, I could tell you right now, it's a it's exactly like that show. It, you know, they might add some drama, you know, at the bar afterwards. But the work oh, yeah. is what it is. The work is what it is. On the show, they didn't they didn't. That's about the realest show I've ever seen get put on TV. Uh, they might have edited out a couple of things here and there, you know. But as far as, like, them getting hit with them chains and, and, and tongues slinging around knocking you off, you know, everything's that's all real. I've been tired. Man, I've been I've had a loop catch me up when I was trying to make a hand, and uh, I'd say, I'm going to work both sets of tongues. We you know how it is. Like, you get out there and the driller's over there, and you're trying to just, as a kid, you're trying to, and press that drill. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like on the show, man. Just like that little, yeah. You imagine that little short, uh, orange heart headed dude, um, that they they talked about all the time. That's me. I was, I was that little short dude out there trying to just, just make them <laughs> talk about it, man. I'm a little, I'm, but I got, you know, that's where the, I still got forearms that they can't beat an arm wrestle nowhere. I promise you. But uh, <laughs> but I ain't worked. It ain't worked in two years. But but you know, it's one thing that you don't. You hold, a, you hold a drill pipe like this long enough to where you got that, that crook in your arm and you're sitting there holding that drill pipe waiting on them elevators for all them years, you learn that if you drop it, you're going to get your ass made fun of, first of all. You're probably going to get, say, they're going to say, we're going to run your ass off if you drop another one. And, and they're going to make you think that they will. It's the same yeah. thing as, as anything else, but it's like you learn mentality of, I have to do this right. Because not only my job depends on it, but the people around me does, and 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 the people around me's life depends on it. And uh, when I started out working, I I started out trying to learn how to throw a spinning chain because I had told him I had six months experience. So I sat on a mouse hole stump during in the middle of connections, learning how to throw a chain because I was a chain hand. I broke out of the chain hand, and. Uh, I wasn't the best, but at the end of that week, I was like, God damn, I'm a chain hand, boy. Look at me. Son, I'm the best chain hand there walk face this earth. You, I, bet, I bet you there's people over in, overseas trying to throw a chain like me. <laughs> That's seven days in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's real talk. <laughs> no, that's, and that's wild. But, like, yeah. Realistically, realistically, I, I know there's some supermen out there. I know there's some guys that have been out in the fields for for a long time. But but what's the lifespan of somebody on the deck, right? What's what? How long can you work the deck before it's time to go into management or 
or or go inside to the it, it, I, I I don't even know what that's called when you're inside yeah. the drill room. Uh, tool pushers, um, yeah, tool pushers and uh and company men. You know, they company men okay. you know, they're out there, you know, they're working with the with the gas company, you know. That's where you're trying to get yep. to. And everybody's yep. out and all the company men are out there telling you. Yeah, well first you gotta make a set of thumbs so you can make a hand. And and you know, if you wanna sit out there on on that in that in that house, you got to know what I know. You 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 ain't gonna know it until you put it in. And so like that's in a tool pusher, he'll sit there as long as you don't call him after his bedtime uh, to tell him that you need a a crescent wrench, you know, and wake him up and make him wake up in his in his time off, which he's been off all day. I'm just picking. I'm picking on the tool pusher, but uh, <laughs> and then you got the drillers and Derek hands, four hands. And uh, motor hands, and you know they're all part of the crew. And sometimes, even on some yeah. days, they got shaker hands. I have never been blessed to have a shaker hand. Let what me is tell you it? What's a shaker hand? So, like, if you work on a five-man crew, yeah. you got you got a four hand, a derrick hand, a motor man, a driller, and then you have a uh, shaker hand. So, you got. All these things are and lead tone. So you so you got two two roughnecks, two floor hands. You got a motor man, a derrick hand, a driller, and, and so that's what at the five man crew. If you work on a six man crew, you got a shaker hand. So a derrick hand when yep. he's up, when he's when he's pulling back pipe, he's gotta be up on the derrick. Everybody else is on the floor. You got yeah, he's hundred feet up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got derrick hands pulling slips, throwing tongs, motor man yep. is usually up there helping them. Uh, if they're not eating a sandwich by the motor shit. And then <laughs> uh, he'll come up there and he'll help them rack back pipe if they're tripping out of the hole and stuff like that. And, you know, these up there just kind of making sure everything's going smooth. Derek can, he's up there to himself, just hollering down at them bitching about how slow they're moving. You know, mm-hmm. drillers, drillers in there hollering about how the Derek can ain't latching them fast enough. So it's it's just a it's a camaraderie deal, but man, it's, that's five man crew. But when you come down, yeah. a Derek a Derek can has so many things to do. A motor man has so many things to do. Uh, a Derek can has to go down on the pits, keep his mud right. He's got to mix his mud. He's got to send his sweeps. He's got to make sure that the mud stays heavy enough to keep the gas where it needs to be, not on the surface. You know, he's also got to keep the shakers clean, change the shaker screens. Because you know, if you change, if you have you ever seen a set of shakers like a uh, mud shakers or anything like that, mm-hmm. so like you, you got them shakers and them little screens, man. You got them rocks and that shield coming across there. Yeah. If it cuts one big old hole in it, before you know it, your mud weight and everything gets messed up. And you got all them solids in your in your tank. So you got to be back before checking your mud pumps. You got to listen to them, make sure there ain't no swabs about to blow, which is every five minutes. But. <laughs> You know, I worked on Gardner Denver for the longest, and I and I, I can't got nothing bad to really say about the ones I've worked on. But I'll tell you this: uh, it's hard to be five places in one time, <laughs> especially you know. Yeah. But that, but I know this that you know it's same thing with a floor hand. Floor hand's got to be out there rigging up lines and making sure that everything's rigged up on the rig. It's like when you move a drilling rig, everything's got to be set up to be functional, to be in operation. And then a floor hand. A floor hand's job is to go around behind that motor man and make sure that everything is t- tidied up, taken care of, you know, OSHA approved, uh, ready to go. So it's a, yeah, it's a non-stop sure. process. <laughs> By the time you get done drilling the well, you got it right, right ready to, to, to drill it. You know, so it's like, and you don't, you don't ever, back in the day, we never fucking cleaned handrails. We just painted over, <laughs> you know, but th- on these new rigs, man, you just got to be always on point and it's all this technology stuff going on. It's a it's a it's a deal of not getting complacent. I think the most because everything out there key. So like you fall on a on a on a on a, on a rig anywhere, you know you could die if you if you have a yeah. a, a joint of pipe come off of that catwalk and uh, sling you into a, a rotating you know head or a rotary table, you, you know key. You. And Derek can down there playing on his phone or not mixing the mud right and. We take a kick, you know. It's just there's so many things you got to be responsible for, and that's the one thing I learned the most was I don't want my next position, I don't want my next raise until the person behind me at least knows what I know or better. And uh, 
And that's a hard thing to do, man, because you want that next position because you need the money. You got babies on the way. You, yeah. you want that raised. And some people are hard headed and they don't want they don't they don't learn as fast. But you cannot rush yep. the process. You can't rush the process of the guy that's behind you to get your raise and take and, and take a chance of risking his life, you know. And uh, so that's one thing you learn in, in there is that camaraderie, that brothership. Whether you pissed off and mad at them because they don't, don't listen to hard-headed and all this, you were that same motherfucker about eight years ago or five years ago or whatever. You got to relate to that. And, uh, <laughs> and no matter how you see it, most of the people you get mad at the most you don't want to talk to after work, they're probably the same some that you, you were to deal with and uh, <laughs> at one time. And I, and I yep. think that that's, that's the best thing I've learned in, in working is, you know, go out there, make sure you do your jobs. Motor man's out there checking on all the pump. I mean, the motors and the gins and keeping everything running, making sure the cold start battery's got a, uh, a fresh battery on it in the wintertime because if that rig goes down, it blacks out. And the battery's dead. You got you go wake up the tool pusher trying to jump off the damn cold start. You know he's gonna be like, why ain't you had that done? But you know we got this thing's running fifty thousand dollars a day, and the company man's gonna run us off. They're gonna hire another company out here. You, you always gotta treat that iron like that's that iron is your iron because if you don't yeah. treat it like it's your iron, and and you're earning a paycheck on it, and if you don't treat it like it's yours, and you just look like it. At it like, man, I don't want to be here. I don't care if that thing burns ground. I just want to go home. I mean, I hope something happens where we can shut down for a little while. If you do that, sure enough, you know, eventually you'll learn. If that iron's running right, your family's running right. If that iron, if that iron's doing good, your brother's doing good. You know. Now, now that's actually that's an interesting point. Now I get it. You know, obviously you got to make it your own and everything. But um, if you guys shut down, you still get paid or no? Oh, I mean, yeah, until the company runs us off, could be shut down too long. We know, because that, yeah. uh, right, that makes sense, what, makes sense. Yeah, because you think about it, H2S in West Texas, like we, I remember all the time, I'd be walking up there on the rig. If you was working night shift, man, you better, you better be just ready to walk up there and H2S alarm go off somewhere. And uh, the boys just got off to go drink a beer. Now they're having to sit on the side of a, Instead of sleeping in that bed, they want to go get in. After their hitch, they're all having to sit over on the pipe racks and wait on H2S services to get there and evaluate and clear the site and all that stuff. That shit got old. But, you know, a lot of hands that was on 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 shift, when we was on night shift, we're like, hey, shut up, man. Go drink your beer and come back to the pipe rack and just hang out with us. We're just hanging out. We're getting paid. And we learned real quick that, you know, that's an aggravating thing to do, but you don't want to work with a Cascade trailer out there, fully suited and with masks on, trying to do the same job you're doing without it. So, you know, as fun as it seems, when you shut down, they're finding a way to make you work through it, whether you know it or not. Yeah. And when you yeah. when you when you have to work a whole shift, uh, with, with you know with the masks on and all that PPE on, man, you'll be like, damn. I, I hope that's something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over and clog my damn H2S monitor up and take a chance on dying. <laughs> I don't, don't want to do that again. <laughs> but no, yeah. it's the, uh, but that's the thing, man. It's, it's a nonstop process, 12, 14, sometimes 16 hours a day. There's a lot of times that a relief will get drunk, won't show up. Or some of them just drag up. They can't take it. And uh, if they don't show up, that, that driller will go, hey, bud. Um, your driller just left, and my hand didn't show up. You mind staying up there and, and, and helping me out for a little while? I, I, I'll make it up for you. And I go, yeah, man, let's run them in the hole. I, there's been times I've worked 48 hours, you know, safely, guys, safely, guys for anybody out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> not drug-induced, just very, very much no monster energy drinks or nothing either, just, just safely, okay? <laughs> Whatever y'all yeah. want to hear, whatever y'all want to hear on that side, I don't care what they want to hear. Yeah, I ain't over there no more. <laughs> but I think that it's the, it's the one thing I tell you is we've had to work through it, and we know all we all know bullshit aside. Uh, that two a.m. mindset has to come into play at all times. If somebody, you know, if you're you think about two a.m. mindset is, 
always work like somebody standing over your shoulder, whether they are or not. And yeah. always because if you get that two AM mindset of going, somebody's somebody's not here, and I got to make sure this gets done right. But I really want to kind of fuck off because ain't nobody here. It's two AM. Yeah. You know, don't fuck off uh, because it'll come up. It'll always catch up to you in life. You know. And uh, the one thing that I've learned is is my daddy taught me how to be that guy that has that two AM mindset. And he, cause he, I can't pick up a wrench and put that son of a bitch on. I, if I pick up a wrench and I'm walking towards something to work on, and my daddy spots me, I feel like sometimes even now I'm, I'm ten hours away. He would pop out of the bushes and say, "How you going? You, hey, what are you doing? Turn it the wrong way. I ain't even put it on nothing yet. You okay?" <laughs> but you know what I've learned though is you have to have be able to work under that kind of pressure. Especially in oil field, it's, yeah, I've been called a motherfucker more times than I've been called my name, and I'm right. proud. And I'm proud of it. It made me what I am. And yeah. I wish I wish some people still had that skin that I'd have. And I wish I think some people around me wish they did too. <laughs> you know, but it's you know, but I think it's it's something that there's something in that 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 gives you that work ethic that we have that, that gets shit done it, instead of sitting yeah. around bitching and moaning about something. There you go. There you go. So, oil fields 15 years plus? How long you been out there? Man, I'm, like I said, 18th birthday all the way up until, when was, I think I, I think it was two and a half years ago, something like that. No shit. So, no shit. Two and a half, two and, and two and a half years ago, I, I went full-time music, but I was always doing oil field, and on my days off, I'd do electrical work, because my dad was an electrician. He was a rig electrician for H&P. I got him his job over there. And uh, he's 40 years last electrician, and he didn't. He would never let, he helped me get into the electrical field because he said you ain't got sense to be out there working on all that, all that electricity stuff, and I ain't gonna be the one that that puts you out there and you get killed. So you just gotta learn that on your own. And I said okay. So I, so on my days off, I'd work for another company, uh, R Electric, out in Joaquin, Texas. On my days off, uh, doing electrical work five, six days a week. And making you know minimum wage just to get, starting out just to try to learn the trade because if something happens, oil and oil and electricity ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, if if yeah. one goes if one goes somewhere, the other one can't. If it, if they both go somewhere, then we'll all be working can to can. You know. <laughs> so, well, I have to ask because um, it is part of your journey. But how'd you get your break? Man, uh, so about eight years ago, I want to say now, I was in a, I was in a tool pusher shack, or not, yeah, about eight years, nine years ago, I was in a tool pusher shack, and I was singing him this song called uh, One Hitch at a Time, and because uh, mm-hmm. we always, I wrote 3,000 songs before I made it to Nashville, you know, but most of them were about oil field, most of them was about oil field and what we'd been through, being laid off, and, uh, you know, pipeline and all that shit. And uh, so I wrote a song called Oldfield Dad. And that song was my first big viral song. And uh, Frank Foster's band, Frank Foster's band reached out to us and was like, hey, man, uh, we'd like to have you record out there in in Tennessee with us at Quad Studios. And we're going to pay for Jason Parker. Shout out to Jason Parker. He was offshore hand. And he's working for uh, Wood Group out there. And he, he was real good friends with Frank. And he said, I got you, man. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to help you with that. I said, no, nah, Bubba, I can't take no money to try to go record no song. And that's $1,700. It's going to take me 10 years to pay you that something back on, on, on the streaming and everything. And, and he goes, no, no, no. It's, it's going to be big, man. It's going to be huge. Just trust me on it. And we went and done it. And th- thanks for it, for him shaking, uh, shaking, shaking me out of that to go cut that song. Because... To be honest with you, that song became something to me that I had to still sing every night. Everybody asked for it. There's oilfield hands still everywhere I go. Uh, and there's people that, that would have never heard that song because I had one line in there. It says, brings a tear to a roughneck's eye. And I said, I ain't putting that, I ain't putting that song out. I was just for, just for me and my babies. Like, I'm just singing it to them. I said, I can't tell yeah, them. Yeah. I can't tell them hands I cry every night. And they're like, I don't cry. You know? <laughs> I don't cry. There might be a tear. Or two yeah. every now and then. You know, but, <laughs> but it's like, 
I was scared to death to put that song out because of that line. And that just yeah. tells you how, how we brought up, man. And, but, you know, and so that was the biggest first break. And seven years later, I'm still out there in the cellar. And these old boys are, why ain't you been in Nashville? Why ain't you went on the boys? Why ain't you doing this? Why ain't you doing that? Some of them are like, Hollywood's over there writing a song, you know, this, that, and the other, you know. And that song wasn't really even that big, but it was big enough for the oilfield community to where I, I turned into this guy that everybody reached out to and he said, man, thank you for just relating to me. He says, I miss half the life to give, to give them one I never had. It ain't easy being an oilfield dad. But you think about it, we're with these guys more than we are with our family. And uh, yeah. if you're not happy or at least trying to make it work with the guys you're working with, it's going to be miserable. And so you might as well be trying to make something, you know, happy about it or, or, or you know, find some kind of joy in it and whatever you're doing. Uh, and that might be even in the fucking getting caught a motherfucker. You, you know, these, these guys might say you can't do something, and that's that's what makes you get get happy the most when somebody tells you you can't. And uh, yep. and then that and that's what that's what my mentality was, and that's how I got my break on that was in 2019 when the oil field and everything fell out and COVID. I learned that I can't sit at the house. This ain't my this ain't my bag. You know, I can't do this. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna go crazy. You know, two weeks on, two weeks off, and sometimes not you know, longer than that. I can't sit at the house because my old lady starts grappling too much after about a week. I and I, I got she's grappling about what I ain't done there and I got I got a lot of things I gotta do around here and, and you know, so I need to get back to work so I can at least tell yeah. these guys about how much my old lady's grappling at me while I'm at home. <laughs> and we can grab about that place but it's like i can't i went out there i didn't have that in during covid so i said i'm gonna write some songs me and my lady wound up going through a separation period for a little while and uh mainly because man it was just tensions had, had just became so high because of that yeah. i think a lot of people probably went through that man sitting at the house and not feeling like you're good enough for your family you're not doing enough for your family and not wanting to draw a welfare check, never having to draw a welfare check, and uh, refusing to draw a welfare check. <laughs> you know, I'll go flip a damn burger. I ain't drawing that check. You know, yep. but I said, I went and did anything I could to get away from home and writing songs, doing everything. And uh, when I split up with her, I, I cut a TV off and I cut a radio off and I wrote 800 songs that year in a camper. You know. Oh, shit. And all the songs you hear now that are, you know, the big ones that I've written and everything else, all those songs came from that camper. And uh, one of them was Beauty and the Struggle, which was something that I wrote for her back when I first met her. You know, I told her, I said, hey, I just need you to stay with me. I'm going I'm to overcome this. I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to get off of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quit that drug. I'm going to probably drink two bottles of NyQuil a day, but I'm going to be all right. You know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to replace it with that. The whole typical addict coming off of drugs and the whole typical self-destructed it feels like he's got to be miserable to do anything. And uh, I put him through that, and at the same time, I know that that's, that's on me. But without that, the progress don't happen, man. It's like, you know, I think a lot of people need to realize that. A lot of, a lot of people really need to realize that that's a process. You're, you're literally changing yourself from a kid to a man as you go uh, by doing these things, making these changes, taking these scars. And that one year I said, uh, I'm going to put this out on social media, uh, Beauty and the Struggle, and I put it out on uh, TikTok or something like that. And I was, one time, I think I was sitting in a a van out on location working on the production side because I finally got a job in production because I learned, guess what, you can work during covid uh, over there with them old boys, y'all. They wait. They just watching pump gauges and shit, trying to keep the keep it coming. And I did that, and that song blew up, and I put out "Morning Shine" on social media. It blew up. Still didn't have the money to go record it. So here comes somebody that's got an idea. That's uh signing to Dirty Five Records. So I signed with them. And I was with them with Tane Lyric, Steve uh, Stephen Champion now, but one of my best friends and. Uh, he, he goes out on the road with me now all the time, but he gave me a chance. He, I was in his live one day, and I said, man, I, I really like your comedy stuff. And 
He said, man, I've been listening to your music for a long time. He said, I've been going on tour. You want to go with me? And I said, hell, I'll carry your guitar case. You know, I, he, he said, uh, no, you can come sit up on stage beside me and sing. So I went out on the road, $250 a night, you know, and uh, grinded it out. Beauty and the Struggle got recorded. And me and him wrote his first song he'd ever had 30 minutes outside of the studio from where we was going to go cut that. And uh, Now he's... He's, he's 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 got we got 17 songs together and he did what I he did triple or or three four times what I did in 10 years. I was at 50,000 monthly listeners at that time. I had 285,000 total streams on uh that year and I think you know Oldfield dad might have one uh close to 1 million I think. And uh and I went out on that road and that Beauty and the Struggle started blowing up. And I was like, holy shit. It never got put on a playlist or nothing. But this song's just going crazy. And so it just went from there to More Than a Shine to the next one. And then everybody started realizing that, oh, there's a build here. And I, and I told my... It's 2018, by the way. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I said, I said my, when, when, when I came back to her and she wouldn't let me sell my last guitar, I said... Uh, I'm gonna sell that guitar and go back to work because I think that's all that's it's driving me crazy. Probably because I wrote 800 songs before I came back home. I said it's driving me crazy, and it's also taken away from us for all these years. They ain't never made us no money, so you know it's like having a boat in the yard. And you can't ain't nowhere to fish with it. Uh, you know. Yep. I said I'm I'm think I think I'm gonna just sell my guitar. She said, Well, if you sell that guitar, you might as well leave again because she said it ain't ever been a guitar. She said, Hell. If, if anything, you're, the only way you know how to talk is through that guitar. Uh, and so that hit me kind of hard. And I said, all right, well, if I go then, if I go now, I ain't coming back until I saw I saw that we can make it without each other for a year. Uh, and I, I saw the way that this works. I said, so my thing is, if I go out and I leave now, I'm, I'm not leaving here to go play music and feel homesick and and go half-heartedly into it. I'm finna swing this thing. It's like a nine-pound hammer like I did at a rig, and I'm finna make it work. And I'm not coming back till I do. So if that's a year, 10 years, or whatever, you tell my babies what I'm doing and, how, and why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. And I said, I don't want to hear, I don't want to feel guilty about the way I, my work ethic and the way I work because uh, I don't, I ain't never done a damn thing for me, and I'm I'm fine with a can of Spam and a trailer, you know? <laughs> you know? So Spam's good, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I went out in the first year, we did those songs, and Spotify hit 12 million streams in one year. So we went from, yeah. you know, 285,000 to 12 million streams. And then, wow. and then, it's last, and then whenever we did, uh, whenever we did these Everyone's Not Law and these other songs, they always a stair step. And I got signed to Average Joe's. I swapped over to Average Joe's. I brought Stephen Champion with me to Average Joe's. And then we had We Ride last November uh, that popped off. And I was sitting in my house, and I had, I had everybody tell me, man, you can't, you got to be a year and a half before you'll ever even work with a booking agency. And I was still on a bar stool. A year ago, I was still on a bar stool doing 17 shows in 10 days, $450. Oh, shit. You know, and, and four hour shows. You know, so like at barbecue joints and stuff. And Literally, I got arrested outside of a place in Burleson, Texas. Shout out to Mansfield. Shout out to Mansfield County Jail for that, for for reminding me that you can't sleep in your car just because you ain't got the money for a hotel room, uh, <laughs> especially if you've been drinking a couple. I had my keys in my pocket. I thought I was being slick. I had my keys in my pocket. I had everything ready, and I was like, I got my Were keys. Were you in the back seat or the front seat? I should have been in the back seat. Yeah, but they still can't. They still told me. I said, it don't matter if he's in the back seat. It don't matter if he's in the trunk. If we saw you, you can't sleep in your car. It's not an extension of your home anymore. And I went, well, it should be, man. You know, to be honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of people who probably I mean, need that. Yeah. Because I think you pay that kind of money on something, you should be able to turn that something into a mobile home anytime you need to if it gets rough. <laughs> I've always heard, I, I always heard, as long as the keys weren't in the ignition, then, then I heard... As long as you weren't in the driver's seat. Yeah. And uh, well, some, yeah. some states, I think it still is. I think yeah. Texas, certain places, I think they then, you know, 
They done shut down all the the uh, home the homeless love shacks, you know. <laughs> you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I hear you on that one. But um, speaking of which, I got an old uh, shack wagon. If anybody out there in Texas is looking for one, you're trying to get. You see, I got I got mirror tinted uh, windows. It's called a dream machine. Hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> How much? How much oh, for it? You ever seen that thing? No. <laughs> it's a seventy. It's a seventy-seven. Uh. Uh, forty con line, and it, it's got. I'm talking. Oh. I'm talking about it is shagged out. It was does, using that. It does it got the paint and everything? Oh, dude, it's got this. It's it's. <laughs> it's got lime green, uh, you know, trim. It's got the scoop. You know, it's got the. It, it's got the damn it, asteroids flying across the sky. It says Dream Maker on the side. On the inside, it's got. It's got a, a closet I found in there. It's got a old '94 Playboy hidden off in the backside of the closet. <laughs> Only three or four pages are stuck together. I didn't go no further than that. But uh, <laughs> I said, "Man, I said this thing is legit." <laughs> it was Kesha's. Yeah. You know that girl. You know the pop star Kesha. Yeah, 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 Kesha. Yep. Yeah, it was in. That, it was in that video. Uh, that Magic Band in that video. Come on back. No I got shit. The, yeah, I got that thing for like. Twelve grand, I think, ten grand. And uh, I drove it two days. The first day I drove it, it had exhaust leak. And I was sitting in traffic. I wound up getting lost for like three hours, and I only thought I was gone for thirty minutes. I showed up for my radio interview. I was like, "What's going on, bub? Like, where's my where's the radio team?" They're like, "Dude, you're three hours late. We done had the corners looking for your ass." I said, "I ain't three hours late. I'm only thirty minutes late." They're like, "No," and they come out there and they had a fuel leak and exhaust leak. They said, dude, you were just high as fuck <laughs> riding around in it with it. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, I wound up on the wrong side of town. Some girl was trying to start a business. I didn't know what she was trying to do. But she was like, I got a band like this, too, but my bed's band is nice. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it might have been that TCV ring I had. I put that TCV ring on. <laughs> it was uh, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus's off of Steal the King. And my, my, yep. my, man my manager produces all movies and all them shows. And I couldn't write songs for about a week in this one room because it had a TCB ring and all these Elvis rings. And it had the, it said left hand, right finger, this, that, and the other. And I thought it was what they had logged whenever they took Elvis's rings off when he had passed away or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like in a room and I was just like, man, I can't, I can't write nothing. I'm haunted by that damn ring back there. So I'd move out of a room and finally I talked to him about it. I said, give me that Elvis ring. I said, that thing haunts me. He goes, that ain't Elvis's ring. That's from that TV show. Uh, still the king. I said, he said, turn your finger green, but you can have it. I said, all right. And so I had it on that day. I think that girl thought I was out there trying to start a new new business, boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, taking care of business. But now, uh, so yeah, man. So we uh, off of the damn, off of the shag wax shit. Uh, we're uh, so we've been, you know, running at it for the last. They told me I couldn't do it. We wrote, we ride. And uh, I saw that, that, that Bailey Zimmerman had taken over Instagram. Like, they weren't even twerking on Instagram anymore. It was it was Bailey. And and Bailey came out the pipelines, if you, if you already know. Uh, and he came out of that. He, he did, I think, his first video off of the back of a work truck while he was working. And he didn't even think he, he could sing. And, uh, and, man, everybody fell in love with him. You know, I love his stuff. And. I remember that uh, I saw him doing it three or four times a day, and I, in a in a very friendly competition way, just like you do in in, in the oil field. I said, "Man, I'm gonna make Bailey see my shit pop up because they told me I couldn't do this, 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 and this in a year and a half until I was on this certain level." Now that ticked in the, the oil field mentality of like, "Well, if you get that done, then we give you a bonus, but you ain't gonna get it done." I go, "Yep." Okay, so I made a bet with the label owner that I wanted his old truck that was sitting out in the yard. I said, Bailey got a new Corvette. <laughs> well, I'm not running a, uh, in a Toyota Scion uh, with all my shit falling out the back, and I'm doing my own merch and my, running my own sound and doing all of it. I said, how about you give me that truck? And he goes, I ain't. He said, I'll give you that truck. You hit five million streams a week on Spotify, I'll give it to you. And I said, what am I at now? He said, like, 400000 and he laughed about it. He thought I was crazy. I said, well, shake my hand on it. Don't, don't just, like, talk about it. Shake my hand on it. He went, well, hell, by the time you get it, it won't be worth having. 
I said, well, well, that'll be my problem. Shake my hand on it. And then six months later, I took his truck. And uh, I hit 5.5. And he couldn't believe it. He said, man, my old lady's mad as hell. <laughs> she said, I just put a new radio system in there. I just put new rims on it. And I said, well, tell her I don't get too mad because at 10 million, I'm coming for your beach house. <laughs> and, and, it, and now we're at 9.5. And that was six months ago. You know, that, you know <laughs> so, yeah, when I took the truck with six months ago, uh, so that tells you how the timeline was. Six months ago, uh, before that, I, I had 400,000 streams a week, and then I hit five. But that came from posting 10 times a day, sometimes when we ride came out, to tripling my social media within two weeks. I tripled all my social media in two two weeks, but it, set, it took that work ethic of going. They told me I'm at a certain level on chart metrics, which I didn't even know what it was. But if you tell me what it yep. is, and then you tell me what I'm basing off of. I promise you, I'll find the tools to work with. And uh, that's what they did. I was at 58,000 ranked in the world, which is pretty good out of seven-something million hey, or, or whatever yeah. artists. And uh, and then in, in the first week, I was in, I, I, I was in the top 4,000. I went out selling co-wets in the first week. And then the second week, you know, I had everybody lined up said they wouldn't work with me for a year and a half. Uh, and then I had a I had a pick of the best of the best and you can't get no better booking agent wise, in my opinion, as far as if you look at the track records and stuff, not saying that there ain't some good booking agents out there that have, have some great track records, but it's my heart feels old school country loving Kevin Neal, uh, you know, from WME, he, he started booking my yep booking my shows and uh that was in two weeks literally from a bar stool four hundred dollars a night two weeks sitting out eating a steak with kevin neal and letting him know i'm paying for this thing yeah i don't owe you nobody nothing you ain't paying my damn steak i'm i'm buying it <laughs> all right and so we're sitting at a steakhouse and uh and kevin told me he said we gotta learn me one song he's burn guys and jizzle and stone he said i love burn and i told him i said well, you gotta be kidding me i said the first song I ever learned how to play was Chills and Stone by Vern Gosling because my daddy, his whole thing was, you're pretty good, but you ain't no Vern Gosling. He's like, my friend. <laughs> and, and, and so I would sit in there and learn those songs and come out of the leave house. It, leave, it to, leave it to the old man first. Yeah. <laughs> Mama had me recording damn songs at four and five, six years old. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I, I got tired of George Strait. How, you know how, long, how many times you got to sing George Strait to get tired of? You, I, I was like, God, I'm tired of crossing my heart. My heart's crossing tri- crisscross three times. Crisscross applesauce, my heart. <laughs> so, like, dude, I was like, I quit. I, the music drove me to Hayfield and the oil because yeah. I was like, fuck this. And then when I started living, I wrote a song, and that's what brought me back to it. But Chisel and Stone was the one. Th- Marty Robbins and Chisel and Stone uh, and Vern Gosling was uh, his two favorite play, uh, people. My favorite song from the time I was 11 years old was Tim Pan Alley, Steve Ray Vaughan. And uh, I love Lead Belly and all the blues. So I mixed two, man. I mixed between the two. And that's where We Ride came from. It had like a soulful, mm-hmm. offbeat. Everybody thought I was crazy because when I brought it to the studio, all these studio musicians said, hey, man, we're just going to fix the timing on this thing, and then we're going to just roll with it. Everything's going to be great, and uh, you're going to love it. And I, and they, they did, and it was like, uh, I said, no, I don't love it. It just sounds like another song. Because it was a 4-4 when I did a six-beat on the on the weight when you come in, we, ride, down, you know. that, And then, yeah. and then on the other part of it, uh, you know, where it's like, you know, sip uh, moonshine. I was a five beat. Now everything it was just off, and so it took us forty five minutes for studio musicians to change the whole structure of how they've ever, how they've ever done music before. But when it comes out, you can't tell that as a listener that it's that it's that off. But without that, it wouldn't have been that song. And that song blew up. It went gold. We're, we just went to radio. We just got back from L.A. We you know we went out and did all this stuff and. I'm grateful for it, man, because 15 years of grinding, I saw uh, somebody who 
didn't think he could do it to somebody who still don't know how he's doing it. But when you tell me I can't do it, I don't have a choice anymore because my baby's that. Yeah, my my baby's eat. My baby's got to eat. And, and you know, we, we went from single wide to buying this house. And I ain't never had a fireplace, so I had to quit it in the background. Just be <laughs> Frick, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> single wide to worldwide in two years, baby. <laughs> but, but, hey, yeah. I mean, I mean I'll, I, to be honest with you, you know, I'm fucking proud of you. Uh, Thank you there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of boys and girls out there that that have uh, been through the shit, and and uh, you know what? It's it's nice to see a couple of us make it. You know, yeah, what I man. Mean? <laughs> and people don't understand. They see the name. A lot of people don't see this guy. Like you know, and that's why I thank y'all for sending me. You know, the boots and going, hey man. We don't want no bullshit. We don't want you to bullshit. We want you to wear it and tell them what you think about it. If you yeah. don't like them, you know, throw them out. Throw them out by the dog pen. Let the dogs put their head in it when it gets winter time cold. They got. They do have good insulation. You know. Yeah. But y'all gave me an opportunity instead of pitching me something to try to t- tell people it was great whether it was or not. Y'all said we just want somebody that's that's gonna wear them and work work in them and tell us what we can do. To improve if we need taking criticism. Yeah. That's something that people don't do anymore. They don't take constructive criticism. First of all, because we're hard headed. Second of all, whether we make you think we take the criticism or not, we do. You know? Yeah. Uh if somebody says oh you can't do that because you're this. Well, when I fix that and I do that on my own after telling you Fuck you, you know, <laughs> you know. Like I just, <laughs> when I fix that, and I come back and I do it, you go, "You well, you did what I told you to do." I'm like, "No, I didn't. I did it on my own. I, yeah. I, 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 I fixed myself the way I wanted to. If I had fixed myself the way you wanted me to, it would have took me a year and a half, right?" So, uh, it's all about changing and adapting and overcoming. And uh, really and truly, if you, you know, cowboy and me, you know. And and where you're at in Maine, and the work ethic you have probably ain't that different. You know, I'm I got a cowboy mentality. Uh, you know, always rolling with whatever it takes, and uh, yeah, and doing the right thing at all times, and you know, keeping I mean, it honest. It, it, it's wild that you say that too, because it's you know, I the older I got, the more I realized shit's gonna be fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, Nothing ever goes smoothly. So you just oh, gotta no. be able to roll with the fucked up. You gotta you got, roll with the fucked up. You gotta roll with the fucked up and you also gotta be ready to when it don't work out, tell yourself, get the fuck up. You know? <laughs> get quit being put you know, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> I got you, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost said it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but you know <laughs> but you know, that's the thing. It's like you know, we're yeah. talking about work, working class here. I'm sorry, you know, ladies. Uh, you know, some of the things we've been called in our life, you know, may not be, uh, you know, appropriate for these times. I don't care, man. It all those things that may, we've been called and all the things we've been told and and the grinding and the toughness, the old school way of doing things, has made this country what it is. And if there's some way of calling somebody else, a, you know. Uh, uh, a weakling, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it makes them stronger Then tell me, you know, show me there's some way of getting somebody else up off their ass and motivated without hollering at them and and telling them, Hey, get your fucking ass off that damn that you're going to get killed. (laughs) And and then, and then getting it. I think the assertiveness is what gets people, gets the people's heads. It may hurt their feelings. They might go off to a, a corner somewhere when they're working and have a pouty lip for a second. But when they walk away from it, they remember that moment for a long time. And the re- and then when they do, re- when they realize why they why they had to learn it that way, it makes them go back and go, "Shit, I wish I hadn't felt so bad about it in that moment." It's that shock factor. It's like it's like everything's fun and games, fun and games, and all of a sudden you just hit them with that insult, and you're like, "Yeah, hold up." And that that split second will save your life. 
Oh yeah, and, and you you know when I was a kid, we used to fight it out. You know, we used to go across the uh, the cattle guards. But every time we swing it out, we'd be right back on the back of a tailgate drinking a beer the next day or, or the next five minutes. And, and usually, if whoever won the fight, they'd have a damn uh, a extra shirt in the back seat. They throw to you and say, "Hey man, wipe that shit off. Let's get this. You know, we're good. You you got a pretty good left hook." Uh, <laughs> but you know, taking hits in life is a lot. Harder than most people think, and uh, you, 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 your for where you put your boots to, what you put your hands to, has to have a meaning to it, and like that's what I believe in too. And when you start a work company, a brunt workwear company like this, man, you're taking a lot of risks to be tested at every accountability level you can be because. You're dealing with people straight from the field, straight from the source. And, but also it feels good yep. to know that there's somebody behind that damn pencil that knows it. It's like, yep. I get, you know, it's like you sit in a JSA room and you read a JSA 45 minutes to do a five-minute job. You go, wow, somebody who just went through there and analytically evaluated every wrong thing that could happen, uh, that probably hasn't happened yet. Some of them might have happened, but that might have been a dumbass, you know. We have to li listen to 45 minutes for us to ship because some dumbass did one thing wrong, and now we got to take 45 minutes to do a five-minute job because common sense ain't that fucking common no more. You got this gig going on. You you just played at the Grand Old Opry, right? Yeah, man, that was Mama's dream, you know, and we did. she played on the op um, not Opry, but Hayride and all that in Louisiana where I grew up. And, you know, I was born in the same uh, hospital where Hank Jr. was born. And, you know, that's where everybody went. Shreveport was like the original place to go uh, when it was back in the day. And Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, I got to give a shout out. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't said this. My buddy Jesse Hyatt, he was, uh, he was in the Coast Guard with me back in Key West, Florida. Jesse, I know you're cutting hair in Shreveport. But anyway, oh, go yeah. ahead. Hey, what 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 what's the barber shot? Uh, I gotta look it up. I'll look it up, but I'll give that it's man like, a shout out. Jesse Hyatt's hey, a good man. Hey, you, you give him a shout out, and I'm gonna be back over pretty soon. I'll come by there and give him a haircut. I ain't gonna get much cut. No but I'll get, I might even go get the more <laughs> mother. I'll let him. I'll let him know. <laughs> yeah, he's good shit. But yeah, I know exactly. If it's a barber shop or streetport, I probably know it. But uh, uh, I live to, up right now. I live right south of there uh, on, in Logan Sport. In Grand Cane. Now I'm in no Tennessee. Shit. You know, I'm over in Tennessee, yep. missing home. <laughs> but we just paid off mom and daddy's place out there. Nice. That's yeah, I, shit. I, I retired my daddy, man, and uh, that was my main goal. And uh, my, and then I got mom at Opry, and then I just got the Morgan Wallen tour. Uh, that Morgan reached out and wanted me on his tour next year. And it just blew my mind to even knew who I was. Cause like I said, six months ago, I was still trying to get off of, a year ago. I was still trying to get off of bar stool. Mm -hmm. And uh, six months ago, I was taking, taking a free truck from a label owner. And, uh, and now we're on going on tour with Morgan. We just sold out. We went from 50 people in, in Waco, Texas that week. I told you I, t I tripled my social media. We went from playing 50 people in Waco, Texas, and that was a big crowd for me. In 15 years, that was still a big crowd. I played all my life, and I hadn't seen, but I seen a thousand rooms with 10 people. And uh, so that one had 50 in it. And then the next week, I was in West Virginia for the very first time, and it sold out online. And uh, and then we went to the Bright Box Theater, and then we went on tour with Warren Ziders, and that, that whole leg sold out. And... Uh, when we got off of that tour, I saw Instagram where Bailey was singing my song. We ride on Instagram with him, and I just read on LA. I was like, LA Times, Bailey Zimmerman just wrote up that I, me and Cody Jenks was his biggest inspiration when he was in the pipeline. I didn't know nobody was listening to me. And uh, and now I just saw him at the BMI Awards, and Jason Aldean, I went and opened for him. And now these guys are just. I'm realizing we're a lot more normal than people think, you know? Yeah. I may look a lot more normal just because I put in some life, you know, a little harder than most. But we're all normal people. And we're all going through the same struggles. And now I got this house and my baby's got a place. 
100 acres out, you know, in the middle of Tennessee to where if they need to go hunting or just get out of it and go find peace out there in the woods or something, you know, whatever it takes yep. to leave them something that I knew I couldn't do if I didn't get out of my own damn way. Yeah. And and now we're doing well, he's got- 300, now we did, did 450 million streams. In the last <laughs> in the last two in the last two years, man, in the last six months or last twelve months, we've done three hundred something million of those streams. Dude, that's insane. That's that's absolutely insane. That's crazy. Headed the uh, headed the platinum, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So my buddy's out in Stonewall, St- oh Stonewall, Louisiana. There, you serious? Like I, yeah, I really I, I, tell, tell him I'm from Grand Cane, Louisiana, which Grand is about Cane? ten miles from Stonewall. No shit, yeah. So it's Jr. Barbershop in Stonewall. Jr. Barbershop in Stonewall. I know exactly where that one's at. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, bro. Yep. Hey, you know how yeah, that's so that synchronicity. Buddy... That's that synchronicity, man. I've been Yo, seeing a lot of that. Me, me and him went to boot camp together. Really. Um, you know, I didn't know shit about Louisiana. He didn't know shit about fucking Massachusetts. And, What's his name? And we ended up getting Jesse Hyatt. Yeah. I, you know, as you say it, I heard that name. How old is he? Uh, well, he's got to be about my age, so 38, something like that. Oh, that's my age. So, yeah, I'm starting yeah. to be 36, so, you know, like I said, I guarantee you I know him. He got it, If he went to school over there. Stonewall, I probably we probably played uh, football against each other. He's a North Dakota no boy. Shit. Yeah, if he's a North. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, man. So what, was, that, what, what was where would you grow up again? I grew up in Logansport, Louisiana, but Grand Cane is where I live. Grand Cane. Yeah, yeah. Logansport's where I went to school. Grand Cane's where I live, and uh, it's a little it's a little bit of the old village, you know, Grand Cane. Um, but it's a, they got like one school, it's a central high school or something like that. And it's like, it's like, yeah. it's like if you got the money, you can go there, you know, but, but I didn't have the money. So I, I went, I went and, uh, you know, we were three, a school. We had, uh, probably 45 people playing, <laughs> you know, and we had enough, enough people to make up to where you couldn't get off the field unless you just really had a. A death in the family or something. <laughs> yeah. You had to be on special teams and everything. <laughs> oh, shit. And back so. in my day, man, we were the biggest ones on the team, and I'm not that big. I may look big on the screen because I've been drinking a lot of beer lately, but, uh, you know, I was I was only like 185, maybe, and 5'7", and I was on the line, and we were playing against yep. teams, teams like a banjo where they had – some old boys came up during that uh, flood, and they were seven foot tall and bulletproof, you know. And I figured out they got a big old gateway arch like Missouri. I go right between them legs. <laughs> but now, so what's, I like next, a what's what's next year? Next year is uh, Morgan Wallen. You just go, yeah, just going platinum. That's it. Well. Next year, I'm hoping to go hunting one day. I took four days off in two oh. years. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took four days off in two years. This is probably like the eighth time I've seen my house uh, since I've had it. And we just, like I said, we literally just came in from, from L.A. Like yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no schedule to, you know, nothing on the schedule to now. There's no blank spots on it. And for me, if there's nothing on the schedule, I'm still trying to do something. So I'm always going somewhere. And next year we got so much coming up. We're Morgan Wallen. We got our, we got the NFR in December. We're playing the NFR uh, in, in Vegas. We're playing our hometown back in Logan Sport. Tell Stonewall, boy. I better see him. Uh, he better bring. He bring it. Better bring it. He better. He better bring his damn clippers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell him I'm gonna be out there at the Riverfront stage in Logansport, Louisiana, and I want to see oh. him, man. And tell him I put his. I put his. Uh, put his barbershop banner up on the on the stage with me. And uh, yeah. And we'll just see about after the show. We'll do a meet and greet deal where he can just be up there buzz cutting people like they did in the, in the military. <laughs> 
Then bring it back. You, bring, bring that back you set up, baby. <laughs> but now, uh, but now, so we got that, and I think we have, we're, like I said, radios right now. We uh, we're doing, we're in the top fifty right now on radio, uh, and we're you know climbing, and it's just amazing, man, that something that I never saw myself being able to do, and me being. Somebody who said, oh, I'm too old for it, I'm too beat up for it, and I won't ever be in the light, and this, that, and the other. Now I got people thinking I'm a superstar, and I'm not. You know, to me, I'm not. But, you know, yeah. to the, to the you know, to the world, it may seem like that. But I'm still that old roughneck that's just using that mentality, that 2 a.m. mentality to keep working like somebody's looking over your shoulder telling you you can't. And as a special thanks to our loyal listeners, we're giving $10 off your next purchase of $60 or more at BruntWorkWear.com. Use discount code BUCKETTALK10. That's BUCKETTALK10. 